Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting for the Matrix on January the 4th, 2012. For newcomers, always make use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll find hundreds and hundreds of audios for a free download where hopefully, if you can persevere, you'll understand the big system that really runs the world, why things are the way they are and why they're going the way they're going because you'll find, as I say, there's a big super I wouldn't even call it a government. It's beyond government. It's an intermeshing of big corporations, big foundations, big international bankers who planned this system an awful long time ago. And academia, of course, is a big part of it too because they always churn out the next generation of children who are going to really believe in the latest indoctrination and push the latest fad in philosophy or or politics and so on. So you'll find how it all works together if you help yourself to those audios. Uh, massive organizations, very, very powerful, run the world. Outside of your vote, way outside of your vote. In fact, they put your, your candidates in uh, for you to pick. And while you're there too, remember too, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can always use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office. Or you can use PayPal. Some people send cash. And across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. Remember, straight donations are really awfully welcome. And what I try to do on this broadcast is chronicle the events, give you the history of the powerful institutions and organizations that met over 100 years ago to plan the world. Uh, the type of world that they wanted to bring in would be a, an authoritarian type society, post-democratic, of course, although they would use democracy to con the public for a long time. But really, it's anything but democratic and how they would create massive welfare states for a while, just for a while, to get people dependent on a particular type of system. And then, of course, they would have rule, the government would have rule over many, many people, the minds of people, and even politics itself, which has been awfully successful, too, in every country. Uh, they also wanted to destroy the cultures of all the countries, to annihilate them along the Marxist, the Marxist lines, and uh, to help eventually to bring in a world government and the old nations would fade away. That's what's happening supposedly in the European Union and eventually to do with the American Amalgam as well, the NAFTA organization. So we're, we're going through all of this. We're watching the turmoil, which was expected too, mind you, to do with finances, etc. as we go through this big upheaval into globalism and into global governance, as they like to call it. Because, as I say, it's not really a single government. It's a, an amalgam of a whole bunch of different organizations, all on board with each other, all with the same philosophies, and all taking their orders from a, a higher superior, obviously. And that's what we're going through right now. We are the generation that they call the cannon fodder to go through all of this. And we have to suffer with inflation, with austerity, as they redistribute the wealth of the world. Uh, in other words, your tax money across the planet to their corporations. 
That's what they mean by redistribution of wealth. And all the Marxist groups are in, on board with all of this too. They've fallen for it all. And of course, they're all led too by um, their own particular agents who work for the same organizations. Everyone, every group has got its leaders supplied to them. I said that many, many years ago. You don't have to go creating a group because you'll find there's already one or, or, or more already made up for you. Uh, perfect. Why bother starting your own group when they've done it all for you in the first place? And that's why you never get any further forward. You end up back with the voting stuff. And that, that's been a con game since its inception uh, because one person, for instance, and one party isn't going to change this unless they're doing something awfully, awfully drastic. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're back cutting through the matrix and as I say, I try to make sense, as I say, by going through history to find the big organizations that got together and some of them amalgamated in the late 1800s and early 1900s to form big famous institutions which advise all governments. They don't only advise them, they actually put their own people in as the heads of them and uh, Carl Quigley admitted that too. He was a historian for the Council on Foreign Relations for a while, and the Royal Institute for International Affairs as well, and uh, same organization. And he said that, it hasn't been a president or prime minister that has been put in the last uh, 60 years, and that was in the 1960s. He mentioned that that wasn't one of uh, this organization's people. So you've been run by uh, them for an awful long time across the world now, as it turns out, to have them in every country, the same organization. And they work with the big international bankers. They do believe in getting countries into debt, so we have owning and controlling countries. And they also believe, as I say, in creating massive welfare systems. And um, the bankers love that because they live on interest. But uh, it's also to get people to give up their, their rights, basically, and become uh, wards of the state to an extent, perpetual children. Uh, and now you have generations of them that expect to be taken care of just because they're born into that family. And, uh, of course, that uh, they can also be used for rioting when you cut back on their, their cash. So they're good to have it on standby. And every country has them. This is intentional. It's all intentional, folks. And uh, you take away their, their, their ability to even take care of themselves. They don't know how to anymore once they're born into that system. There are children growing up, and they, they could say that their social workers are their best friends. The social workers that visit them every day. They call each other first-name basis. And this is the system that the big boys planned a long time ago because they said that if they destroy the family unit, they'd have to follow every plank of the Communist Manifesto. makes no surprising, too, that the big institutions that I'm talking about here uh, help fund the, uh, the Marxist governments from its inception uh, in, in Russia and, uh, and all through its, its longevity as well. We even fed them from the West. Strange thing to do with, an, with a, a, a country that was going to uh, bomb you and nuke you, isn't it? Feed them as well. No one asked these obvious questions. But anyway, they still run the world and they're going for the broke now. They want a perfectly organized planet, a, a reduced population. We're post-industrial for most countries now and in the first world, so they want to bring us down quickly. And, and Rockefeller himself called it, called for rapid depopulation instead of the, the old-fashioned way of taking us down more slowly through rotten food, you know, that doesn't nourish you, 
and injections and all the usual stuff and stuff in your drinking water. So anyway, part of it was also too to destroy culture across the globe, first world countries. And that really took on a, a speed of its own in the 50s, in the 60s, and in came the drugs, in came the pill. Feminists weren't responsible for fighting their way up there. It was pill, as Bertrand Russell said. Science gave them what they think is freedom. But along with freedom comes a lot of catastrophe as well because the rest of society ends up for the ones that do have children, single mums, paying for them all. So that the state technically has taken over the place of the father, another part of the communist line as well. So they were fulfilling all of these things so easily. And also they knew too that the people who didn't, uh, um, who, who were promiscuous, they would never bond. So they were teaching it in school under the guise of sex education, uh, that sex is a distinct thing from having a, a, an emotional bonding towards something, somebody very successful in that area as well. So much so that mass immigration is brought into countries because the, the domestic populations aren't having any children and they claim that they're not going to, there's not enough to pay off the national debt in the future. This is, we're, this is all mainstream stuff, you know. So we're played with by the high and mighty and we go along very willingly because it's, a, it's like putting children in a candy store and telling them to do what they want. You know, all children are the same. They don't know what to do. They think they know it all, but they don't. They have no wisdom. So that's how they treat uh, the people as so-called adults. We have adults today that are still children. They've never grown up, never will grow up, in fact. They play their whole lives on the Internet and play games and things like that. And uh, the responsibilities that come with uh, having children and families and the rest of it, they've never had them either. Uh, that would just get in the way of their fun. So they're technically extinct. Even though they're still walking around, they're technically extinct. And along with that, too, came uh, corruption. Corruption through everything. We see it everywhere. We look and all officialdom. In the past, they were awfully good at hiding at high places. Now they don't even bother because the public don't really care. But we find that the culture is so degraded now, so degraded, because all the old religions that at least gave you a basic moral code all went out the window to another plank of the manifesto, and uh, they basically have nothing to fall back on except the guy who's toughest and nastiest generally wins. You see? That's what the youngsters see in all their video games. I mean, who wants to be a loser, eh? One of those guys on their knees begging for mercy, those peasants, you know, the civilians. Who wants to be a loser like that? Don't you want to wear all those, that fancy gear and all the armor plating and, um, who oh, have the big gun? It's quite simple, isn't it? Here's an article from Britain. The criminals in uniform, almost 1,000 officers with convictions from drug dealing to perverting justice are still in the police. There's a lot, lot more than that, actually. Two detective chief inspectors amongst 944 officers in England and Wales are with a criminal record. One officer was found guilty of gross misconduct after sending racist and sexist tests. Texts is still in his job. And it says hundreds of others facing misconduct allegations are allowed to escape punishment by quitting the forces. More than 900 police officers continue to serve despite being convicted of crimes, including violence, robbery and fraud. Forces employ policemen and women with criminal records for assault, burglary, supplying drugs, and perverting the course of justice. Among them are several senior officers, including two detective chief inspectors and a chief inspector working for the Metropolitan Police. In some cases, continuing to employ officers appears to directly contradict government guidelines, which would insist on proven integrity. 
They highlight that people with convictions for certain offences, including assault, dangerous driving and burglary, should not be recruited. At least 944 serving officers and police community support officers have a conviction. Most are for traffic offences such as speeding and drink driving, but there are also offences of dishonesty and fraud. Then he goes through different ones, case histories, burglary uh, as teenagers, uh, supplying drugs, etc., etc., robbery and break and enters and all that kind of stuff. So that's what you've got now taking care of you. And uh, as I said, there's no morality anymore. It's, it's, it's really over for all, all of that. Uh, their job now is to get as many convictions as they can and climb the ladder and be a winner again. Everybody has to be a winner. You don't want to be a loser, do you? And here's an article that falls right in with a caught on tape the moment a police officer planted drugs in a suspect's car. A video taken from a police vehicle's dash cam shows an officer allegedly placing a bag in the car of a man they pulled over for running a stop sign. The video, which was filmed on February 11, 2011, shows the officers searching the car as a man stands handcuffed. The officers are from Utica, New York, and the video was released by the local paper, the Utica Phoenix. It says one of the officers is showing pulling a bag out of his pocket as he gets into the passenger side of the car. He then emerges, uh, it says... Um, with the same bag. It's not clear what's inside the bag. The video has gone viral since it was uploaded on YouTube on, Jan- on January the 2nd. When it was first put on the Phoenix's website, it got so many hits, 64,000 in 24 hours, it crashed the site. Uh, Attica police say they're still investigating the incident and the video is also being reviewed by the FBI. The video posted on the internet is 1 minute 40 seconds long, but the full video is 30 minutes long. Early in the full video, an officer's empty bag at hand is showing going into the driver's jacket pocket and pulling out a bag. So you got to understand that this is common. This is very, very common to get convictions. And when you're in court, the judges always, the judges always take the policeman's version, and that's just the way it is, you know. Uh, and if they're they're wanting more convictions, uh, and you're the lucky, you're the unlucky sap they've caught that night for maybe having a tail light out or something, then you go off to prison. And there's a lot of folk in prison like that. So easy, so simple. But what I'm, I'm showing you is a complete moral decline in society. In fact, entertainment today is, is just moral degradation. We lap it all up. That's all you're given now. That's all you're given. <laughs> and there's a, a good reason for that too. And also too, to do, to do with... Uh, the U.S. as well. It says both sides are unhappy with debt commission's proposal. They want you up the tax across the U.S. I'll just put that up tonight, that link. I'll put all these links up at cuttingthroughmetrics.com at the end of the broadcast, just so you can see it for yourself. Now, eugenics is a big part of this, uh, this, this system that runs the world. They've always talked about creating the perfect slaves, basically, different types of them. Uh, Huxley's Brave New World was part of that whole scenario too. And he wrote that book, remember, in the 1930s. And so uh, they were well aware in his particular class and certain families, and he was related to the Darwins too, but they were well aware of where they were going with this, all of this agenda down the road. Now, scientists grow sperm in laboratory dish, dish says, scientists have made a major breakthrough that could soon see human sperm grown in the laboratory. Uh, part of it, too, is just to do away with normal guys and, 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 and women, too, but for that matter. 
development opened up the possibility of infertile men being able to father their own children rather than using donor sperm. Now, as you well know through the articles I've read here over the years, uh, most men today, uh, very early on, are actually infertile. And the sperm that they do produce are really um, are blind as bats. They can't find a target and uh, the bad mobility and all the rest of it. So we're being sterilized but on cue because they said they would sterilize in, in the old books. What you do with all the people? Well, we sterilize them. You don't ask for volunteers. You find ways, like Russell said, of putting in the food or injecting them uh, and different ways to sterilize them. And you'll find that across the board, all the stuff too, bisphenol A, the, the, the estrogen uh, mimickers that they have through, through in food and all the rest of it, it's all part of it too. They've known this since the 1800s, by the way, that these, uh, these things did it to men. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. Let's talk about an article here about uh, growing uh, male sperm outside the human body in the laboratory and the reasons really behind it all. Because eventually, of course, as everyone goes sterile, uh, only the wealthy will be able to afford this kind of treatment. And they're ones, the ones who are proven that better than the rest and that they're more fit to go on into a new future and their children as well. This kind of stuff has even been discussed in movies, as I'm sure you've, you've all seen uh, in the past. But it says here, researchers in Germany and Israel were able to grow mouse sperm from a few cells in a laboratory dish in a world first. The team, headed by Professor Stefan Schlatt at Munster University in Germany, were able to grow sperm by using germ cells. These are cells and testicles that are responsible for sperm production. Now, why not go and find out the reason why they're sterile in the first place and they aren't coming out of these cells, eh? Scientists grew the sperm by surrounding the germ cells in a special compound called agar jelly to create a, an environment similar to that found in testicles. Professor Mahmoud Hulil, who also grew the sperm at Israel's Ben-Gurion University in Beersheba, said it will eventually be possible to routinely, routinely grow human and male sperm in order to extract uh, tissue-containing germ cells from a man's testicle and stimulating sperm production in the laboratory. So they're going full-scale ahead at that, but there's no attempt whatsoever. There's not even shock or panic uh, when they keep announcing every year that we're down about 85% now of sperm production in the average male from 25 and, 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 and over, you know. It's just incredible. No, it's no crisis. No. Why is it not a crisis? It's because it's been done on purpose. That's why it's not a crisis. Believe you me, if it wasn't being done on purpose, it would be a crisis by the controller's point of view. But no, there's no crisis about it. And of course, they're not going to fix that problem. There's grown outside the body for those who can afford it. Now, as we go now into the, the new authoritarian society, the one mentioned by the Club of Rome, uh, they said that democracy was, was dead, really didn't work, for the big boys, that is, to get their plans through, so they'd have to do away with it. We're now into authoritarianism and technocracy, etc., etc. But uh, you see, every country that joins the, the, the world government uh, and the trading blocks, as they start off before they become world government, uh, countries get a lot of money that would come in on on importing stuff from abroad, and that protected the, the producers at home as well to buy it locally, buy your own stuff. 
to do away with, uh, in free trade, you do away with all of that. So you've got to find another way to make up all that tax money. So they, they create value-added tax, a con, uh, just to get another tax on everything, everything you purchase. And so they call it value-added tax. And years ago, they started off in Europe, and it was food and different things were exempt. Uh, but of course, you know, everybody with a, half a brain knew darn well down the roads, uh, they would jack it up on food as well and medications and everything. So the EU now plan to slap the value-added tax on food, it says here. Uh, the plans for a radical tax shake-up could cost struggling families and pensioners £800 a year. The European Commission wants value-added tax exemptions on food, children's clothes and other essentials abandoned in an effort to harmonise in other words, standardise the sales tax across Europe. As plans come after the coalition raised the value-added tax rate to 20%, that's in everything you buy, 20% taxes on top of what you see, the price. But kept an exemption for food, children's clothes, passenger travel, books, newspapers and other products. Last night the proposal sparked outrage amongst politicians and public spending campaigners who attacked the Eurocrats for trying to interfere in Britain's tax affairs. Well, of course they'll interfere that Britain's signed their sovereignty away by all the traitors that went before them, all these politicians. UKIP leader Nigel Farage says in their desperation to raise cash, the EU is prepared to do anything and hurt the most vulnerable. Well, that kills two birds with one stone. The poorer will die off when they can't afford food. Uh, these plans would add up to 20% costs on food and children's clothes to put an extra tax on books and newspapers would be a strike for ignorance over education. Everyone would suffer, but the most vulnerable would suffer the most. The commission, supported by the London-based Institute for Fiscal Studies think tank, called for the exemptions to be abandoned to allow a common value-added tax regime that would streamline the single market. But why not just throw out the value-added tax altogether? Well, why, why are folk paying this? for more bureaucrats and more and more bureaucrats in the EU Parliament. But the move which could raise £24 billion a year for government coffers would deliver a crippling blow to the country's poorest families and hard-pressed pensioners. I don't, well, they've had all of that's come in. They've got uh, problems even heating themselves in the winter now. But again, that's eugenics, let the poor die off first. And if you're elderly as well, well, you're a bad citizen because you're just consuming, you're not producing anymore. Uh, that's according to the United Nations, you see. So uh, eugenics is a big, big part of this depopulation program. And the fittest and healthiest and wealthiest should survive according to the ones at the top. And, you know, eugenics is everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's eugenics and experiments. The U.S. has been famous for doing a lot of stuff on people in their own country. So is Britain. Very famous for, for doing secret trials and drugs through National Health Service and even spraying a lot of their citizens uh, with different, like cadmium they were doing through the, the 50s, 60s and 70s all over eastern England. It says, anger over secret drug trials on Indian children. This is India. Indian activists have reacted angrily for 12 doctors were fined less than $100 each for conducting secret drug trials on children and patients with learning disabilities. The Madhya Pradesh state government said the tests had not been cleared by health authorities and it added that the doctors refused to disclose further details citing patient confidentiality laws. In other words, they've got deals with Big Pharma to experiment on children. Who's going to care about a few children in India, eh? Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the Matrix, reading an article about how people, it's amazing isn't it, we say, oh, it's for the children, we always love children, nobody wants any, but we all love children, that's what government says all the time, isn't it, when they want to jack up prices, etc. But uh, here's India, as I say, and they're using children there for, big. the big, big farmers are over there, uh, they, they've got such a, a market to, to do what they want, uh, and nothing said, and of course the bribery works awfully well over there, it's just so corrupt in India, that uh, everything is kept quiet, including all the deaths that cause as well. So this article goes on to say that um, uh, India has been turning into a hot spot, spot for drug trials with hospital patients used as guinea pigs for the world's pharmaceutical companies, often without consent. Low cost, weak laws and inadequate enforcement penalties are blamed for making India an attractive destination for conducting the tests. Ray, who was suspended from his job after publicizing the Endori cases, he always fired the guy that the whistleblower, right? Believes it will be many years before the malpractice can be curbed. Drug crowds are increasing here because they cost just one-sixth of what they do in the West, he says. The regulatory system here is comparatively corrupt, and pharmaceutical companies can easily register patients and begin trials. And guess what a lot of these, these drugs that we're using on children are for sexual dysfunction. This is what they're telling us. Our best to do is sterility and different things like that. But anyway, I'll put this article up tonight too. And then there's GSK Labs as well. GSK Lab find over vaccine tests that killed 14 babies. GlaxoSmithKline, Argentina Laboratories Company, was fined 400,000 pesos by Judge Marcelo Argunsky following a report issued by the National Administration of Medicine, Food and Technology for the killing of 14 babies during illegal lab vaccine trials conducted between 2007-2008. Likewise, two doctors, Hector Abati and Miguel Tregnahi, were fined with 300,000 pesos each for irregularities during the studies. The charges include experimenting with human beings, falsifying parental authorizations so babies could participate in vaccine trials conducted by the laboratory from 2007 to 2008. Since 2007, 15,000 children under the age of one from Mendoza, San Juan and Santiago del Estero have been included in the research protocol, a statement of what the study is trying to achieve. Babies were recruited from poor families that attended the public hospitals. That's why they love national health services. You get the poor and you can do anything you want. A total of seven babies died during Santiago del Estero and five in Mendoza and two in San Juan. So anyway... Uh, it's just going on across the whole world because you see it's big, big business. And, the, you know, they leave a lot more planned for us. And they've got to make sure that whatever they hit us with next really does work, you know. And that's part of it, too. A lot of these big companies, remember, work with governments because they are biowarfare uh, areas of research. They, they deal with all the, the big viruses and so on that kill people. They weaponize stuff as well. Why, why create your own weapons laboratory when these vaccine companies already have them? That's what they are, really. <laughs> That's what they are. Quite something. And talking about dysfunction, too, when government creates the massive welfare state, and then, of course, at this time, now's the time to privatize them. 
and charities and private firms are to be paid £15,000 to turn around each shameless family. They call them shameless families, and if you're poor, you're shameless, you see. Private firms, <coughs> charities will be paid bounties of up to £15,000 a time to lead a crackdown on Britain's 120,000 shameless families, ministers as politicians will announce today. A major experiment in a system of payment by results, which ministers hope to use as a model across the public sector, up to £200 million were paid to private and voluntary sector organisations. It will depend on the success over a three-year period in tackling a hard core of troublemaking workless uh, households, dubbed shameless families, after the dysfunctional Gallagher clan in the Channel 4 drama series. So they're using fiction, I'd imagine, to show you how it works. Providers will be paid in three stages when they have made a member of a troublemaking family sign up to a personal action plan, when the plan is completed, and finally when the individual has moved into employment. In total, a three-year contract would be worth up to £15,000 per family. So uh, there's, uh, there's more and more cash going to the privatization again. The scheme will be targeted at families that make up just 1% of the population because taxpayers are an astonishing £8 billion a year. So it'll create the welfare system, make the people helpless, and you can make people helpless, you know. They don't believe they can work eventually, and uh, they have no role models because their parents weren't through the same system. Social workers are in and out of the house all the time, making all the big decisions for them. And uh, you, you're a child. You're a child forever. That's what socialism brings, your eternal children. And that's what they want for the whole world, to be eternal children. They've done a good job, mind you. Science is wonderful, isn't it? Just studying the public and finding out how to destroy the culture is quite simple and easy. Children four to be fingerprinted to borrow school books from library. Again, two, to bring up children in, in, in the required system that's going to be there in 20 or 30 years' time, you always make sure that you start with children at school. And uh, that's why they were the first ones to go through all the, the, the detectors, metal detectors and so on, and then all the drug-sniffing gear as well. And they think it's all quite natural being, being patted down at airports. So they're already geared for it. So now your, your world will be iris scans and fingerprinting to get your school meal or to borrow a school book. Uh, it's quite, quite obvious. It's a good training, Pavlovian training exercise, and it'll, it'll work pretty well. Canadians don't know it either that a lot of them <laughs> have been affected by Agent Orange. I mentioned this a few years ago uh, when it was found out that all the military bases across Canada uh, sprayed from the air the, all the, the bases and around the bases. And there's always towns around these bases that build up around them. Uh, Agent Orange to kill off the weeds. And uh, they were doing that right through the, the 60s, 70s and the 80s. And I think some in, even into the 90s. And the public hadn't a clue. Like most things that really happen, we haven't got a clue. But anyway, it broke out, and I read the article a few years back. But anyway, here's, here's another article on it, a recent one. More cash for Agent Orange victims. More people will soon be compensated for the suffering caused by Agent Orange that was sprayed in Canada as a defoliant over several decades. The government has relented and realized the error of their ways. Well, they're human, aren't they? And approximately 30 people will be notified. That's very big. 30 people will be notified very soon that will indeed be receiving a 20,000 Agent Orange compensation. This is NDP MP Peter Stover. The unfortunate part is they're leaving out hundreds of thousands of other people who may have qualified. They've probably been dead already with cancers and so on. Uh, Stoffer City is the creation of the United, of the Canadian Forces Base in Gagetown, New Brunswick, 
as an example of the chemicals misuse. Instead of using manual labor to eradicate all of the leaves and the trees, they use chemicals, and those chemicals are sprayed in the lakes, rivers, and the foliage, said Stouffer. Stouffer said the NDP, as a political party, is further left than Marx, wants a full public inquiry into the spraying of Agent Orange and similar chemicals in Canada to find out how many people were affected and what health problems they may have developed as a result. Well, they should read the articles I've been, I was reading a few years back there, maybe four or five years ago, because you see, they've done all the statistics then. And even the ones down like, like Base Borden, uh, found out the same thing. The children had all these different things breaking out them, malformations and diseases, cancers, and, uh, there's no, it's no big mystery. So they'll do another inquiry into it. We'll have inquiries in, in, in democratic countries. They go on forever. And then you get inquiries and top of the inquiries just to, you know, until you're all dead. And in the States, Boeing, Boeing's to close Wichita facility by the end of 2013 and lose 2,160 employees. They're just closing it right down. The decision to close the Wichita facility was difficult, but ultimately was based on a thorough study of the current and future market environment and our ability to remain competitive while meeting our customers' needs, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, Boeing, which is the base for the company's global transport and executive system business and its B-52 and 767 international tanker programs. The facility also provides support for flight mission planning and integrated logistics. So I guess they'll be getting the big tanks in from China to keep the continuous uh, spraying off the skies going, I guess. Now... (laughs) People probably know this, but you have all these planes going over your your your, your areas every so often by the government, and, and they, they, they they photograph everything to see if you've improved anything in your property, so they can tax you. Well, now they're sending drones and to do it instead. Arkansas residents may face taxation by aerial image, just as previous concerns are raised by the ACLU and others over drone use in the U.S. A Quorum Court in Arkansas has approved the use of aerial imagery to collect data on property sizes. Not at the moment from uh, US, uh, UAS, but it does make take it much of an imagination to realize it could be used for the service. Looking at the pictometry website, they're creating products that several UK-based companies achieve with SUAS. It's called pictometry. must be chomping at the bit to use lower altitude imagery that can create higher resolution products. So that'll be the way the future you'll see these darn drones coming around, sniffing around your home, and uh, and in comes a big bill because you repaired the, the garage or, or, or shored up a, a broken window here and there. Because you see, they're really on a, a roll now to get all the cash in from you. MF Global sold assets to Goldman's before the collapse sources come out. It's amazing how corruption can come out. No deal go to court for anything. They're untouchable, isn't it? MF Global unloaded hundreds of millions of dollars worth of securities to Goldman Sachs in the days leading up to its collapse, according to two former MF Global employees with direct knowledge of the transactions, but it did not immediately receive payment from its clearing firm and lender, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. One of the sources said uh, the sale of securities to Goldman occurred on October 27th, just days before MF Global Holdings Limited filed for bankruptcy on October 31. The ex-employee said. One of the employees said the transaction was cleared with J.P. Morgan Chase. At the same time, MF Global, which was run by former Goldman Sachs head John Corzine, was selling securities to Goldman to raise badly needed cash. The futures firm was also drawing down a 
$1.2 billion revolving line of credit it had with J.P. Morgan, according to one of the former uh, global employees. J.P. Morgan spokeswoman Mary Sidorat said the bank did not withhold money because of the line of credit. She declined further comment on details of the transactions. So it's all in the family, really, isn't it, as they take care of each other, and we all get, you know, the shaft and, and the bill. Not bad at all. Beyond, they're beyond, beyond it all. Rothschild, this is quite a little art, interesting, intrigue, intriguing article, really. It's not a conspiracy, it's an intriguing article about Rothschild. Rothschild exposes gold mining deal for fake or faint, it says. Deripaska's attempt to sell uh, Ruzel, these are companies, to Alcoa, also exposed. Nathaniel Rothschild's libel suit against the Daily Mail newspaper and Associated Newspapers duty commenced in January 22nd in the High Court in London is now unraveling even more Russian oligarch secrets because they're in bed with the Russians too. Rothschilds are all over the place, you know. As a crack open, so do suspicions of even more inexplicable involvement by Rothschild's friend, Lord Peter Mandelson. This is the guy who ran Britain for a while, you know, when, when Blair was off doing his stuff. And... Um, this is the guy who actually, Madison boasted he was running Britain from Lord Rothschild's swimming pool in France. Yeah. That's in your face now, isn't it? Uh, anyway, it says that the point in which the entire tale hangs, at least for Rothschild, is that in January 2005, Mandelson was the European Union's trade commissioner. That's a top job. I mean, that's where all the deals come through, through you. Lots of bribes and money was on there all the time. That's just the way it is, folks. The events, and he's an inside man with all the knowledge, you see. The events reported by the newspaper in its initial publication, uh, and now in new evidence before the court, suggest that Mandelson was involved himself. He's, he was doing his own business as he was the head of the EU Trades Commission. So he's doing his own private business too, at the same time in Russian business deals, which he knew or should have known created the appearance of a conflict of interest with his official position. He'll just give the public the finger, that's what they do now. Anyway, Rothschild's claim is that it was liable to suggest that he put Mandelson in that position. Well, he's put prime ministers in before. Why shouldn't he put Mandelson in there too? Mandelson's position is that he wouldn't countenance a conflict of interest or the appearance of one. And when you read through this article, you find that Rothschild actually joined Mandelson in uh, Russia and they, they visited different sites. And it's to do with massive gold deposits as well. It's quite an intriguing little piece here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Mandelson was obviously Rothschild's man, and that's how some people climb very high, very, very quickly. And uh, they fall slowly because they give them certain golden parachutes and exemptions from fines and prison. Quite something, isn't it? Now, I'm putting up a link tonight, too, that's uh, one of the latest studies uh, from the Journal of Neurovirology. Uh, to do with polio. I've been saying for years that uh, much of the, these particular viruses that inject into you, especially with the polio virus and others, uh, ended up in the brains of people who became autistic, children who became autistic. And this is the latest study that proves it once again, folks. I'll put this one up for you if you want to have a little peek at it for those who still care. And this article here is about Eurofanatics, and it says that um, the Eurofanatics should join the Marxists in the dustbin of history. The end of the Euro may prove chaotic, but recovery will come sooner rather than later. It says, so it says the only solution to the crisis is for Chancellor Merkel and Germany to bail out the rest of the Eurozone, and this is not going to happen despite the pleading of France's Nicolas Sarkozy. 
that Geoffrey Howe was guilty. Whatever he actually said about Liverpool's problems during some early Thatcher cabinet meetings, he was culpable for his failure to draw the obvious conclusion. The city was finding it impossible to compete with London and the south of England. In different circumstances, this, this should have been rectified by devaluation. Liverpool then would have used a weaker currency. Let us call it the Scouse. <laughs> In a single country, that option was not available, so there was only one alternative. Despite Geoffrey Howe's reservations, Liverpool received large subsidies from taxpayers elsewhere in Britain, which are called fiscal transfers. Even under that generous regime, it continues to struggle. So what the article goes on to say is, but now we're doing fiscal transfers across the whole of darn Europe. You're not just bailing out one little area in your own country, you're bailing out the whole of Europe. And it's, all the Marxists are behind this, by the way. They're actually Trotskyist. They've got different names for themselves now. But they're churned out of the universities. I was reading an article yesterday about some of the top Marxist leaders and, and writers and teachers and professors in universities. And you're stuffed with them. Every country's got them. And they're all through the Ivy League ones, too, you know. Uh, Lansky was a good, a, good, a good one in Britain there. He taught for, oh, 50 years or something, or maybe, maybe more, about the wonders of Marxism to all the ones in, in Cambridge and occasionally taught in Oxford as well. So why would you allow professors to teach in your own countries Marxism, which vowed to destroy your culture, your way of living, uh, and etc., 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 demolish them and, eat, and have mass slaughters if need be too. Why would you allow them to teach? It's because the big boys wanted them there. It's a dialectic process, isn't it? And from Admiral Mike Mullen, it says, Admiral Mullen says, National debt is our biggest security threat, not terrorism. America's highest-ranking military official thinks the U.S. has bigger security problems than the Al-Qaeda, suicide bombers, and increasingly deadly nine-year war. Our national debt is our biggest national security threat, said Admiral Mike Mullen, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, in a tribute to the troops. Breakfast sponsored by The Hill on Thursday morning. According to staffers at the gathering, he also noted a troubling trend that veterans from Afghanistan and Iraq are being are becoming homeless at four times the rate the country witnessed in the wake of Vietnam. Well, thank you very much. Out you go. You're on the street, folks. You've got a little tin star, though. A little tin star. Isn't that pretty? Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and uh, there's some callers on the line. I'll, I'll take Michael from Indiana, if he's there. Is there Michael? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Hey, um, I had a question for you. It seems to me more and more uh, that uh, Newt Gingrich is uh, going to be the Republican candidate uh, here in America, and I, I try to tell people that, you know, I mean, that... Uh, that that's not really the way, you know, we should go. And uh, I know that you've talked about him, like, speaking at Loyola. Yeah. Um, is there any way, any place I can find, like, the meeting minutes to that? They, they had uh, a, a censored version. They, they really edited it very quickly, uh, 600 page, down to 600 pages. 
uh, of his first meeting for the World Science meeting. That was to do with brain chipping the population, and I'm not kidding about that. And I, I have it here, but um, they put an edited version out, and they've had a meeting every year, I believe, uh, at that university and other universities. In fact, one recently, I read a little bit about it too, but they toned it down quite a bit. And that's the meeting that he brought in the top uh, bioscientists uh, dealing with microchipping from Tokyo. And uh, one, one of the speeches made by them was that um, uh, that they had the chip ready, actually, to put in the public. It's just that now it's a, a matter of convincing the public to, to want it, to actually want it. And they said that what they would do is they would put it into movies and make it exciting to have a chip, things like that. And sure enough, uh, movies suddenly came out of nowhere, like the, the one that was, was it Robin Williams, it was called The Cutter or something, where you have a, a chip that records your, your memory for life, and then they, they use it when you die for your funeral, things like that. So they had all, all the top speakers there, and of course Newt Gingrich is a total globalist. He's mentioned it, Alvin Toffler. Uh, the third wave, he, he, want, he, he gave his book to every congressman in, in the Congress. Uh, he's, he, complete, he believes in a changing society, changing it along this, this design path, of course, with science at the top, running it all, te- technocracy in other words. So, uh, But it won't matter to the voters. The voters will always go with the mainstream, and the mainstream point them in the right directions. And uh, most of the public are so brain dead, uh, they, they, they won't go for any, anybody who, except the ones that are put up there for the two main parties. The, the elites gave us this type of what they, they call democracy for that reason. It's easy to get the herd to go the way that you want them to go, and that's why they like the word democracy. They only use democracy when the herd go for what they're supposed to go for. Um, and that's the only time you get any kind of democracy and vote for the person that they select for you to vote for. Uh, but it's really, um, it would take much more than one person, I don't care who they are, getting into government. See, America's changed every 20 years uh, so much that it's not America anymore. And by the time you hit 20, it's not America anymore. Uh, there's 4,000 laws signed into law just, just this year alone, last year. Four th- over 4,800 laws were passed in America. And there's more to come. Uh, there's more binding treaties across the world internationally with the United Nations. It's not America anymore. And Quigley said the same thing. When the two parties are on a, the campaign trail, they talk about the same things, unemployment, health insurance, education. That's it. You're, you're both the same party now. You're talking about social issues. Uh, the rest of the time, they hardly mention social issues once they're in. It's a world agenda interlocking. And you have so many treaties you'd have to tear up. The G20 recently, uh, and according to, to the CFR, is really an international government. It, it, it's above the U.S., and the U.S. has a member to it. Canada has a member. We all have members to it. It's, a, it's a, above it, so it's the end of national governments. So you'd have to literally go in there and burn a lot of carbon by burning thousands and thousands of stacks of papers and start afresh. Uh, But one man would be knocked off before he could get up on the podium. Thanks for calling. Uh, From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, your gods go with you. And remember, help me along by donating and buying the books and so on.